What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Get the Bag podcast, episode nine. Moving on up. We have a really great topic today. Uh, before we get into that, I'm your host, Claudia Castro. Got my co-host, Tim Park. What's hey, going fam. on? It's the first of the month, March 1st. Can't believe it's already March. I know, right? Time's just flying. Um, but before, you know, uh, make sure you like this video, subscribe, um, follow us on IG, all the social media channels. Um, cause we're, we're on here every week, every Wednesdays, typically at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, just dropping game. Uh, we have exciting guests coming up too. So subscribe, set up your reminders, uh, so you can keep in touch and keep up the tabs with what's going on with us. But today's topic is, uh, how can you take down multifamily with no money? Uh, yes, I said that no money. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely They're various like, strategies that you can use, um, whether you want to hold on to it, buy and hold, or again, wholesale it. We're going to just break all that stuff down. Uh, we have tons of strategies that you can use, uh, because you know, and, and people sometimes don't understand the difference with like, where does multifamily, like what's the difference between that and residential residential obviously considered like a single family home so like a regular home but mm -hmm. there's multifamily in the residential asset class so one to four units so one unit is obviously a single family home two units is duplex three is a triplex four is a quad those are all considered residential right it's mm -hmm. under the residential umbrella once you hit past four units so one from five units onward that's considered commercial Right. So it, the, the way you kind of view it is a little bit different than like a residential and how you comp, because uh, then you're really looking at the numbers and such. So um, once you get into commercial real estate, it's very lucrative. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're, you're in it yourselves. Uh, you're in it yourself um, working commercial deals, but it, it's challenging. It takes some time because there's so many um, things you have to consider. Yeah, um, with right. multifamily, whether it's multifamily, uh, whether it's uh, industrial, um, hotel, like all that stuff, hospitality. Um, but you know, people don't really consider um, when they consider com commercial real estate, they're they're not like, oh, multifamily or apartments. Uh, but all mm -hmm. that is is part of it. Right, right, and I think um, you make a a good point because you know comping a residential multifamily compared to comping a commercial property is totally different. Um, right. I, I think, you know, especially like, let's say wholesaling because you're comping at what has sold in the area on residential and on the commercial side, it's mostly about the numbers and how much that particular property is making um, in revenue, right? right? And then if it's making a certain amount in revenue, how does that compare to how much money you're going to put in and get a return on after maybe, say, three to five years after that, right. after you stabilize it? So there's a lot of factors that go into the commercial side of um, real right. And lots of tax benefits too. But um, I 100%. will, I will say this, we are not 
tax experts, <laughs> uh, mortgage experts by any means. So that's a disclaimer right off the bat. Um, we're just sharing what we've learned so far um, and how we've seen other people use it and uh, how we're planning to um, use it. And I think we've like worked on wholesaling uh, multifamily, but obviously the ownership is everything. Um, and so these are kind of strategies that we're following as well. So to break up with, uh, to start off uh, with it, um, I think people get overwhelmed when starting like mm -hmm. with multifamily, especially with uh, bigger pockets coming out and um, the burr strategy, people, um, you know, multifamily has been a big thing, a big, you know, uh, buzzword of like, yeah. you know, ownership is everything. Um, but people get overwhelmed, like, oh, I need money down. Cause if you go through like a traditional, um, route of getting a loan and you have to put a certain down, uh, amount down. You also have to consider the, uh, the agent you're working with. Usually you're sourcing, true. having the agent, you know, uh, find you deals. Uh, and there's not many deals on the market typically for multifamily. That was one thing I noticed when I wanted to kind of follow the, um, uh, what do you call it? The house hacking. House, yeah. Right. Uh, where you live in one of the units for a year and then rent out the other kind of stuff. Um, but there's not many on the market. So this is why uh, we've said even before as a wholesaler, your, your whole business is on marketing. So if you can mm -hmm. get really good at direct to seller, you're already like ahead of the game because you 100%. can then um, alter your criteria. If you really want to take down a multifamily yourself where you get direct to the seller now, usually with multifamily, you're dealing with more experienced sellers, sophisticated. They know something, but there's still those mom and pop uh, landlord or landlords owners um, who own multifamily. But the biggest thing, and, and we've mentioned this before, is partnering up with other investors. Yeah. Um, you know, to take down um, multifamily. This happens all the time, but you have to kind of find like like what you're where your strengths are. So some people, mm -hmm. for example, like they, they still have a, a nine to five, uh, they can qualify for a large loan. And maybe the other partner is really good with systems or has um, a good operating um, system with like, Hey, I have a property manager. I have boots on the ground. I can like, I can manage the property. Like mm -hmm. these sort of things are usually hand in hand where you can kind of like share your skills or contribute your expertise and skills. Right. Um, right. and then marketing as well. And then you split the difference with, mm -hmm. uh, with the profits. So that's a good way where it's like, Hey, uh, Tim, you and I partner up, I qualify for a million dollar loan. Um, let's take down a, I don't know, a 50 unit, hundred unit somewhere else. That's not in Cali. Cause that's not really mm -hmm. going to get you. That probably gets you a good quad <laughs> or something, right. Right. um, out here in, in LA at least. Um, and then it's like, and then Tim, let's just say Tim lives in, I don't know, maybe in Kansas city. And you're like, Hey, mm -hmm. I got my connections there. Um, let, let's partner up. Hey, you manage the operations. I just make sure the money's there and whatever other skills I contribute. So that's a great way to partner up. Now there's other more advanced strategies like syndication, right? right where mm -hmm. you like pay somebody else to do all the management for you. And then you just collect yeah. whatever mm -hmm. profits. Right. More of a passive investor type of situation. And um, there's opportunities for that. Um, other ways to partner up is actually with the seller. Um, that's yeah. another another way to partner up. And, um, you know, they might not want to, um, you know, they're a tired landlord, too. So there's there's strategies where you can partner up 
uh, more advanced strategies, I, I would say, on that to partner up because you might have a developer that wants to kind of tear that down and build something else or, right. you know, um, so there's just a, a lot of different ways. And that's why I kind of like commercial because it's um, there's so many ways to kind of structure the deal depending on who your investor is and who um, if you want to kind of take that down yourself and, um, you know, don't and you don't have to put down your own money on that, too. Um, right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's isn't there ways um, I've heard, too, where. Um, if they if it's owned under an LLC, you can buy the LLC as well. Yeah, that's correct. That's to, a strategy as well. It's a too, strategy yeah. as well that I've I've heard people use. Now it, it does vary on specific markets in terms of like tax benefits, where it's like, hey, we won't the the taxes, um, all, the property taxes may vary, but um, that's also a strategy that I've known. That's a little bit more advanced again, uh, but that's just again what other people are using. Uh, but yeah, partnering up with people. Uh, finding where you add value. It's the same thing we talked about last week or the week before uh, when it comes to partnering up on wholesale deals. It's like find mm -hmm. where your strengths lie, whether it's finding a buyer or direct to seller, and then mm -hmm. see how you can find somebody else. Because you can't do two people doing the same thing or even three people. Like you can have a group of people like that happens all the time where yeah. people, um, you know, put a pot of money in and it's like, Hey, let's invest in, in a property. And, and that happens all the time. Um, so it's just figuring out what your roles are and then just partnering up. Cause at the end of the day, everybody has the same goal, which is having ownership and yep. getting that passive cash flow. Yeah. Um, I think, well, with the first deal I ever got locked up, it was, uh, the sellers were like six partners, um, mm -hmm. and they had their full-time jobs and no one had time to actually you know, maintain the property. And right. so they had made a decision to kind of let it go, but it was so in distress that th what they were asking right. for was unreasonable. And um, based on the numbers and what needed to be done, it was just, uh, they were unrealistic on that part because they all wanted to share in the profit of that. But if they just did a put a little bit more effort into, you know, putting some money into it, <laughs> maintenance, um, you know, fixing it up, a new roof, whatever, they could have got a lot more for it and waited maybe a year or two and they would have made a lot more than what they sold it for. So Right. You're talking about that one uh multifamily out here. Yeah. 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 Sure. And then we're also well, we're following up, but there's this the twenty four unit that we're um looking into as well, where again right. it's a it was uh, two partners that really didn't do yeah. that great in taking care of the, uh, and this is where it's like, Hey, you may have the money, but this is why it's like, you have to consider everything. You have to have somebody who understands like, all right. You, and this is where it's like, you kind of borderline slumlord where you're just taking in the profits and not mm -hmm. reinvesting back into your properties uh, right. because, uh, and I see them all over LA. Like some of them, I'm like, how is that being held? Like, how is that being like held together? Like it looks janky. Um, no. And it's unfortunate. And this, that was what gives landlords, slumlords a bad name because, you know, you're not looking out for the tenants. So if you can kind of follow a, a good um, profit, like where you put your profits and when you're running the numbers is why somebody should be good at like, okay, this, this, amount goes um goes into maintenance this goes into vacancy property management if you if you do have one um, but this happens all the time and that's a really great opportunity to um come in there 
mm-hmm. and solve a problem. Um, so partnering up is is huge. Um, I, I think the next strategy um, that we we see we are seeing a lot is on the creative mm-hmm. yeah. uh, finance side. So seller financing, even subject to um, mm-hmm. but seller finance, I think is more common because a lot of times a lot of these older um, owners who own multifamily usually have it free and clear. Um, right. But that's where you know you don't have to come up with a down payment. In some cases, maybe you do, maybe the seller needs something. But from what I've learned too, is a lot of these more sophisticated sellers, they understand the game. They understand Mm -hmm. exactly what you're referring to. And usually they want to defer the capital gains tax because when you're selling, it's one thing to sell a a home, but when you're selling multifamily, it's a large, you know, it's worth a little bit more than say a single family home. Um, And when you get all that money back, you're, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's Uncle a Sam's going to take a good here. portion yeah. of that. So yeah. either they're going to do a 1031 exchange, which again, it's a little bit more advanced, but um, in like a quick kind of definition is where you take the funds that the profits that you're going to receive from the sale and you move it over to another property, but you mm-hmm. have, but it's, there's specific conditions. You have to work with a 1031 specialist um, exactly. and you have you have about six months to identify uh, or find uh, find another property that's worth more than what you uh, just sold it for. So there's a lot of like um, moving pieces, but that's a great way to roll over your money and never pay taxes. So a lot of people follow that strategy. Um, another is seller finance because uh, they're still going to be taxed by mm-hmm. a much smaller amount. Because whatever income they're receiving on the monthly payments, they'll be taxed on that. But it's way less than say they they were to get uh, a lump sum of two million, versus like hey you're getting I don't know right thirty thousand a year like there there that's a huge difference tax wise so that's a really good right. way to work with the motivation exactly um, instead of like going straight forward with with the cash sale so seller finance is is really great where you can co- literally come in with no money down. Uh, you may just have to cover the the uh, closing costs, but again, you can maybe get a hard money or a private money um, to take you um, to use that those mm-hmm. funds for that. And then whatever the um, if there's maintenance needed, that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's still way less than you having to pull, uh, r- get a loan, qualify for a loan, um, you know, that Absolutely. runs your credit. Um, so these are creative finance uh, strategies are so huge and they're becoming big now given the market conditions as well. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of people don't realize that it's commonplace in commercial real estate. Like, you know, this, right. it, it is an option. I mean, a lot, a lot of people are using it a lot more, especially in this climate. Um, and, um, you know, I know on the, residential side um it's you know kind of the buzzword now and and everybody's talking about and getting into that you know seller financing and creative financing but mm-hmm. i think um it's not a strange option when um it comes to commercial usually you know the seller has multiple properties and they kind of understand what you're trying to do in in that because you know whatever Usually you try to get a loan and, you know, take down a multifamily since interest rates are high. They understand, hey, let's kick it down the road. Um, I know you won't get, you know, hit with a capital gains tax uh, right now. So 
you know, let's work together and see how, how we can make that happen. Absolutely. Uh, it looks like we have a question here by Alex Rodriguez. Uh, when would you say is a good time to start investing into multifamily? That's I'm assuming yeah, five plus units. Uh, I would just say any time. Um, yeah. You know, obviously uh, understanding how it works. If you're just brand new, this is where it's like, hey, partnering up with somebody who's experienced. So this is what we're talking yeah. about. Our first point, which is partnering up. That I don't think we mentioned, but it's a really great uh, point. When you partner, if if you're super new, doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in commercial. Mm -hmm. uh, but you want to like learn or learn as much as you can on like how it actually works, like the basics, super basics. At least. What's yeah. an NOI? What's um you know what what's considered uh, needed Cap in the multifamily? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cap rate. Um, there's all these terms that are absolutely important to understand when getting into commercial multifamily specifically. Um, but say it's like, hey, I'm just starting out and Tim has been in the game for five years. He and I have the money. Say I qualify for a loan or whatever. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to use your expertise. You, you know what you're doing. I have the mm -hmm. money. Let's partner up on this deal. Yeah. So that's where you can kind of leverage that. Um, or, you know, Hey, I have a relationship with a, you know, private money lender. Let's, let's do this. Or, Hey, I've saved some capital, wh whatever the case may be. So it's never too late to start. I wouldn't wait. If there's an opportunity, yeah. you should go for it uh, as long as the numbers make sense. But if you're just starting out, you want to make sure, um, you have somebody by your side that at least like can kind of help you, um, understand. Yeah. And, you know, it's the basic questions that, I think we'll we'll probably put the, this on the bottom uh, comments below um, of this video, but you know, just a average questions that you need to ask, you know, the sellers. Um, so when you do partner up with an investor, they're going to who is maybe savvy and has the money, they're going to ask these exact same questions to you, um, you know. And even though you just have the deal, um, uh, you can do a lot of the legwork. Um, that they it makes it easier for them to make a decision or underwrite so if you're able to kind of underwrite and um fee, get the criteria that they need to make a good decision then um that's a good partnership right there right right and this it's kind of the same thing we were talking about wholesaling where it's like mm -hmm. when you partner up with somebody um or even like Hey, whatever the buyer is telling you, I'm going to take that information back <laughs> and communicate to the seller. So it's, it's very, things are really in parallel. They're very similar. Um, the next strategy. So we've talked about partnering up with other investors. We've talked about seller financing or creative finance, um, along with like, um, you know, yeah. subject two, where again, you take over the mortgage, but again, I don't want to get like too into that. Um, but the next one is, is what I talked about earlier, which is house hacking. Um, yep. and so house hacking, um, for, for those who kind of are just joining is, uh, where you, it's, it has to be residential first off. And we just mentioned earlier in the call, residential is considered one to four units. So from a single family home to a duplex, triplex, or quad that's considered residential. Um, and with that, you qual you can qualify for a residential loan, a commercial mm -hmm. loans, a little bit, you know, it's an upstep. You can still like follow the process, but I think it requires a little bit more information. Um, but with that, you can get an FHA loan, um, you know, 
whatever type of, of loan you, you can get, you can qualify for that um, with very little down. And, it, you know, with FHA too, it doesn't, they don't um, require a high credit. I think you can have as low as a yeah, 580. Low um, NACA is also another uh, yeah, strategy, that's but it's it, the, the, there, it's a process to sign up for it. Um, but that's where you, you don't use any of your money. You don't need, need a like super high credit from my understanding either. Um, and you can, um, they can help pay your closing costs as well yeah. and yeah. down payment stuff like that. So that's also a really good opportunity for house hacking. So house hacking, again, once you get, say you qualify for a loan, you find a house, you live, you have to live in the house for a year. So what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll buy a quad, they'll stay, they'll live in one of the units and then the other three units they rent out. Right. Yeah. So you're but essentially the other units are paying for your mortgage. You may even be able to cash flow. Um, even if it's a duplex, like imagine cutting your, instead of paying rent, you're cutting your mortgage in half. So you're, instead of paying $2,000 a month, you're paying a thousand or maybe under that. Um, and so that's where a house hacking is really great. Um, cause then, you know, after that year you can move out and bring someone in. So now you're yeah. having, a, you have a full, fully occupied, um, multifamily property that's bringing in rental income. And what's really great is you get to learn as well how to kind of be a landlord or things to look out for, um, you know, maintaining the, the property, collecting rent, that kind of stuff um, that, you know, a lot of people starting out don't really understand what that's like. Um, so that's a really great opportunity. I think it still is, um, yeah. you know, if, if you're able to find a really good deal. Um, so yeah, house hacking, usually you have to work with an agent as well. Um, unless you're able to find the deal yourself, because a lot Absolutely. of times that's what the agents do, but you have to deal with the commission structure and all that stuff. Yeah. It, it's a really good way to, get into multifamily to get your feet wet you know because that you know utilizing you may be fha or uh naca you know there's uh, opportunities for you to not you know have good credit score or even you know have money down to put it put into that opportunity but as long as your you know mortgage is covered through the other units um that is being rented then it's a it's a great strategy um a lot of people have utilized that strategy and have you know gotten more than one um like four unit properties and then they've gotten you know larger properties after that because they leveraged those two properties with their equity um exactly. in that so yeah. And so after you've lived in it for a year, you can qualify, I believe, for another or actually you you have to refinance out of the FHA yep, correct. Um, into a more typically a conventional, loan, but probably right now you don't want to refinance. Um, this is where like <laughs> the birth strategy is a little bit, you know, especially if you're a beginner. Um, but if you can refinance into a lower rate, uh, like say it's like, hey, I got in with a higher rate now, uh, but a year later, it's like 3% lower. I'm going to refinance out of that into a conventional loan. And now I can qualify for another FHA loan to right. maybe house hack again. Um, exactly. So that's where, again, you can kind of continue doing that for a couple of years and you already have a decent portfolio that then you can leverage your equity, like you said, or uh, you can refinance and use that to, again, get another property temp, like whatever it is, like there's so many strategies mm -hmm. you can, you can follow. Um, 
Now, this other one is more is another kind of creative finance, Tim, uh, that you want. Do you want to kind of talk about that, like the negotiating a lease option? Yeah. So um, the next one, you know, is a creative financing because there's a lot of different ways of creative financing. So the lease option to purchase is uh, another strategy that you can utilize. So basically you have an agreement um, with the seller um, of the property that you can lease and then you have the option to purchase later on. Um, and then maybe, you know, that allows you to kind of finance the uh, the project later to purchase. So mm -hmm. because of maybe the interest rates and stuff and that just allows you to do that. I've seen people kind of wrap that as well too is right. where uh, you do that to uh, an investor um, as well. So you have a contract with the seller and then you have another contract with uh, the investor. So they know that, you know, they need to put down X amount, you know, uh, uh, for a down payment. And then you kind of collect that down payment and then you uh, have a higher lease agreement um, for that investor. And then you just make it a year before your time is to buy um, for the current seller. And then say, let's say it's 24 months and then you decide to, you know, for the investor, it's 12 months. So you have that cushion just in case something goes wrong um, in that strategy. But um, all of that needs to be kind of laid out in the, the contract and there's probably specific contracts that protect you as an investor that's going to do the lease option but it's definitely a option that a lot of people use and it, it's even used in residential as well too so yeah and for that one you probably want to consult with a real estate attorney as well mm -hmm. to get like those um those sort of contracts and making sure everything is good to go um and i know people are used like oh like can I just use whatever one and you can like whatever contract like you find on Google or wherever, yeah. but um, you know, this is where it's like, you know, taking it to the next level, you, you know, Hey, if I have to pay a couple hundred bucks for a real estate attorney to uh, review and walk me through the process, I think that's worth it, you know, worth any future headache. So um, I hope you guys are getting a lot because there's just so many strategies that you can really utilize. Um, and this is where it's like also, asking around asking experts because uh, and seeing how they're doing it because there's a lot yeah. of people that are doing it just like this um it's just people you know once again once you understand like that it can be done that's where it's like your mind starts working and you, you start figuring out how can yeah. i implement this um myself uh and taking action on it that's that's always the, yeah. the hardest part um but in terms of the last strategy which again isn't necessarily um, to own, but it's a way that you can take down a multifamily in a, in a, in a way, um, with zero money. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's wholesaling like, yep. you know, the same strategy that you use to, for a house, you can wholesale multifamily as well. Um, now for the bigger commercial, I mean, you can like, like we've considered it, but you know, sometimes the, the way you structure a deal may be a little bit different. It's a little bit like, different. Yeah. Yeah. For the bigger, bigger deals, but you can still technically wholesale um, and wholesaling again, for those who are new, um, you know, any audience kind of joining in, it's, you're kind of the middle person. Um, you're still part of the transaction, um, but you're a direct to seller. So you're marketing, you find a seller who's interested in selling and say they have a 20 unit building. 
that they want to sell. Um, you know, with that, you, you gather all the information and you say you have a buyer in mind who wants a multifamily in that same area. They'll give you uh, their offer price. And then you just try to, you know, your agreement with the seller is under what the buyer is willing to pay for. And then you just collect the difference. That's yep. really it. Um, yep. Now for, you know, a multifamily, uh, you, you know, you do like when you're wholesaling multifamily, you do have to have an understanding of how it works. So you have to understand the cap rate um, yep. and ask the seller for financial. So this is kind of stuff we'll probably mm -hmm. um, provide in the show notes. But it's 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 asking like, hey, what's the what's the T12s? What's the rent rolls? Like, you mm -hmm. know, are is it 100% occupied? You know, are they not not just like, hey, what's the condition? Um, you know, it, has a property been taken care of? It's like, <laughs> hey, do you have a property manager? Do you have right. you know what's your exactly. expenses? It's all about the numbers, as I said. That's a different mm -hmm. difference between uh, commercial and residential. You can't just comp. Um, yeah, you, know, you can't just comp a. Um, a multifamily like that you can you can use that as a guide like sometimes you know there may be another multifamily that was sold but for the most part you it's all about the numbers so if you can gather that the financials and then share that with with the buyer to kind of mm -hmm. you kind of want to practice and do your own calculations um, but the buyer you know if they're going to buy a 20 yeah. plus unit they're going to need the financial so they can do their own underwriting of the deal and then they would come back of like hey we'd have yeah. to be at one million uh, and so maybe you want to get the seller at 900 or nine something or, or under that, whatever they're asking for. And so that's where the profits can be quite large in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I think, um, you know, the questions are very important, especially when you get into commercial real estate, because that builds credibility for you um, going into asking what the seller, um, you know, why the seller wants to sell and all of that. But at the same time, when you ask these questions, you're going to be more credible, um, you know, about the doing the deal. Because right. then, you know, if they're just, hey, give me a price or anything, but it doesn't work that way, especially in, in the commercial side. It's, right. These are expected questions that they know that they need to provide um, for you to underwrite the deal to make sure that you could get them. Um, a price and you know by putting all these numbers in a spreadsheet and it's spitting out the actual number that you need to offer then um, you can go back to the seller and say hey you know you know based on our calculations you know it looks like you have too much ex your there's too much expenses um, you know and that's something that you have to wor worry about when you purchase that property is how do you get the expenses down so you can make more money right right so right um these are just like little small things that you have to think as an investor um if you're partnering up with someone that has capital um that's what they're looking at you know so um it's it's definitely a situation where you have to ask these questions to get an accurate number of if they're asking too high or it's it's actually a good deal Right. Yeah. I think you're, you're definitely spot on. And usually it's a red flag if sellers don't want to provide that information yeah. either. Um, and sometimes like uh, it really depends. Sellers may not want to give it right away, especially if you're um, underwriting it. They usually want to wait until you have it under contract to provide like, and, and, and like all of the information. 
Mm -hmm. where um so you kind of just want to be cautious like as long as the contract is obviously in your favor uh where you have an opt-out period you know to do your due diligence and during the due diligence is where you gather the financials um and uh you know do your calculations can share that with a buyer um and do that um you know, walk through, you want to do a walkthrough through all the units, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff as well to verify everything. But you, but if, if they're really like, don't want to share anything, that's usually a red flag of like, yeah. Hey, there's something's not right. Uh, financials are missing or maybe they never had financials. Um, so you have to like pull like bank records, bank statements to verify all the expenses. So there's a lot of, uh, owners out there that, you know, just aren't as organized or, you know, don't have it together. Or maybe they're slumlords as well. So you have to really, um, you know, knowledge is key. So if you kind of know mm-hmm. when to look out for these signs, you can just be like, you know, you can know how to handle these situations. Yeah. Another thing is um, a lot of these sellers do have commercial brokers. So uh, don't let that uh, deter you because it's, it's commonplace. Like, so that's someone that you would need to network with is uh, that broker because they might have other opportunities or off-market opportunities because it's just like uh, in wholesaling like all the investors I know in commercial want it off-market they don't want it to see it in LoopNet or it's been advertised a hundred times because they've already seen that deal come through they want new deals uh, to come through that they haven't seen they can underwrite and get it um, you know uh, take it down as well too so um, that's just another kind of gem that you guys need to uh, think about when you get into multifamily. It's commonplace to have a broker. It's how are you going to structure that deal so you both eat um, on that deal? Or are you partnering up with another investor so you know uh, that a broker is compensated on the seller side, right? And then he's going to ask how much he's going to be compensated on the buyer side as well, too. So there's different ways to kind of structure the deal. So everybody kind of gets paid, even if you're not going to take down that multifamily. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so everybody can get paid because um, they're all like working together um, on the deal. So um, really, really great point. And uh, I, I hope, yeah, we're, we're at the end here, um, but I hope you guys got a ton of knowledge and information on really how you can take down multifamily with zero dollars. Um, you know, you can find any sort of properties like driving for dollars or again, networking with brokers, realtors, um, you know, or even taking one down yourself. There's various mm-hmm. strategies and just kind of recapping, you know, partnering up with a, a, an investor on a deal, whether you're able to qualify for a loan and you have somebody who has experience, uh, you can do that. Uh, seller financing, uh, subject to uh, where you work directly with the owner um, on, on creating a note uh, where you can take that down with z- zero money as well. House hacking, where you get to live in, in a multifamily one to four units, um, you know, for uh, one year, and then you can turn around and um, rent that specific unit again and do repeat, uh, rinse and repeat. And then I think we mentioned the, le- the lease option where you can also wrap, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously wholesaling. So various number of strategies that you can use. Hope you guys got a ton out of it. We'll make sure to add at least the questions to ask for multifamily to sellers, um, right. in the show notes after, after this. But, um, again, there's, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to own, 
um, real estate, own multifamily. Multifamily is, is the one that's going to kind of skyrocket you and as like an investor, uh, yeah, because of the 100%. profit profit margins. Um, so you know, if there's any opportunities that you run across, you guys run across a multifamily that um, you're not sure what to do, hit us up. Yeah, hit us up um, for sure. You know, we're working on multifamily deals right now as well, on specifically wholesaling. Uh, but if it's an opportunity where we can take it down, um, that's something we're also uh, interested as well. So, um, anything you want to leave the the audience with, Tim, before we hop off? No, I think this was a great episode, and I know a lot of people hit us up about you know what questions to ask and you know to get into this field. But um, you know, don't be hesitant um to get into it just kind of jump in and you have you know two people right here that um will be able to help you out or even you know guide you in the right direction on you know trying to get the deal done yep perfect well uh appreciate you guys again hope you guys have a great rest of your week we'll be back next week next wednesday the 8th i believe uh we'll we'll have actually a guest on we're talking about uh, getting your mindset right, mentality. Uh, we have our good friend Dalen uh, from the U joining us. So it should be a really, really great conversation. Uh, hope you guys see you there. Um, have a great rest of uh, your week. Have a great weekend. See y'all later. Later, fam. <laughs>